can't tell you how great it is to just be here. I hope I can talk. <clears throat> First of all, I just want to thank uh, all of the folks who've taken care of me in the last, you know, during my surgery and the last three months. Sheila's been amazing, you know, she, uh, of course, have been there taking care of her mother, and of course, they uh, made me come there, and <laughs> um, those first few days, I had my daddy's recliner, you know, we went, they went and got my daddy's recliner for me to sit in and sleep in, because I couldn't move, and it was just great to be there, but uh, I just, all those who helped uh, medically, the doctors, the nurses, uh, it's just, I'm just very grateful. I was treated so good and done uh, so many good things, and I'm just very thankful. Uh, I want to thank Steve Cook and Dave Beavers for how they've just uh, stepped up to the plate to do everything. All, all of the staff, all of the church, all of the helpers who've been here, we've not missed a beat, and, and uh, uh, I've got to watch every service live, and it's, been, it's just been fantastic. Uh, Louis Moyer, uh, Rob Frank, Jason Lewis, uh, Dr. Greg Scott, Kathy Holland, uh, Bishop Will Compton, all of those who stepped in the pulpit I mean, just the clarity and the continuity of everything they brought to us was, was, was just phenomenal. Now, I do want to make one disclaimer, and that is uh, Greg Scott and Kathy Holland let you out a whole lot faster than you're going to be out today. Okay, just, just so you understand um, that. But I just thank you all so much for all that you, you did. Just, just, I'm... I'm truly thankful. All of you who sent cards, letters, um, just the encouragement, the phone calls. I, I uh, you know, one of the hardest things was I couldn't get my phone. They wouldn't give me my phone for over 30 days, and I've never been that long without a telephone. It's been, but, um, uh, and then, uh, the most difficult part of all of this was losing Shirley Massey. Um, just, just so I say it once and don't go through all of the details a thousand times a couple of you have heard me say, but you know, I knew I was having a struggle and a battle and I, I was, was having chest pain and I knew that something was going on and I just knew the closeness of where things were with Shirley, and I didn't want to leave. I just didn't want to go. And, and uh, you, you know, um, I didn't get to say my goodbyes the way I wanted to and that kind of thing and be there for her and the family, but Louie did a phenomenal job with the service and doing everything with that. You know, uh, 42 years this lady served me as church clerk and finances. Never one time, <clears throat> never one time did she do anything but support. She was just loving, caring, kind, faithful, and loyal to a fault almost. And I just don't have enough words to express my gratitude to Claude and the kids and everything. She just walked with us, walked with me through thick and thin. And, uh, you know, uh, the last time I was there before she passed, I knew, I knew that I was in trouble um, and needed to see 
the cardiologist, and when I went to Huntington to see him, uh, he said, uh, you, you've got to have, uh, you know, we've got to do a catheterization immediately as soon as we can get you in. Uh, he said, uh, I've, I've called the schedule, and just because of how they do with scheduling and what they deal with, it's going to take a few days, but you don't need to leave town. And so I didn't leave uh, Huntington. Well, that following Sunday is when I had the, had a heart attack, and I just said, I got to, told Sheila I have to go. I'll tell you this, it's kind of funny, but anyway, so they get me into the ER and immediately start me on what they need to do to do that. And they take me to the cath lab, and you know, if you've ever had a catheterization, I've had several through the years, but you know, you're there and you're not there. You can hear some things and you can't. You're not totally out, but you're there. And um, I heard that doctor say, there's nothing I can do. And I'm thinking, what's he mean? And then the nurse said, I'll call surgery to get him scheduled. And I thought, thank God. No, that's terrible. Well, they, so, you know, I'm just laying there and couldn't talk, but it was just, anyway. So, uh, as many of you know, they got me into the uh, surgery. Uh, the physician's assistant that was there told Sheila that, uh, you know, that it was severe, that uh, um, said if anything moved in there where that blockage was, he wouldn't know what happened. You all would know, but he wouldn't know. And you just don't think about that. I really thought that I could wait and go down there and get another stint, which I had done three other times. I actually had five stints, but now all those stints are bypassed and I have new arteries in there. I'm just excited. I mean, I'm just a new, new person. So I'm very, very thankful. So that's, that's enough about that. And I'm just grateful to be back here today. Okay, I want to begin today by reading you a poem uh, that just has encouraged me. I've read this numerous times in the last few weeks, and uh, it's just encouraged me. A mighty wind blew night and day. It stole the oak tree's leaves away, then snapped its boughs and pulled its bark until the oak tree was tired and stark. But still the oak tree held its ground while other trees fell all around. The weary wind gave up and spoke, how can you still be standing, oak? The oak tree said, I know that you can break each branch of mine in two, carry, away, carry every leaf away, shake my limbs and make me sway. But I have roots stretched in the ground, in the earth, growing stronger since my birth. You'll never touch them, for you see, they are the deepest part of me. Until today, I wasn't sure of just how much I could endure. But now I've found, with thanks to you, I'm stronger than... I ever knew. The Lord gives us strength beyond our wildest dream if we keep our faith in Him. But the critical thing that has spoke to me is I'm just thankful for the roots and just the fact that the Lord has been a part of, of my life. And uh, I'm just I'm just extremely grateful. Thank you very much. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. You know, I've been in a, uh, or was in a series uh, talking about a new portrait of God when uh, this ordeal started and uh, I'm, I'm with all probability going to over the next uh, 10 years finish that series uh, 
painting a portrait of God is a, a journey. It's not just a one or two week sermon. It's it, it probably that whole series should be in a full year series, uh, and I, I do plan on picking up parts of it. But I'm still talking about that, and I'm I just I just know that that I feel like that the Lord has has. In this season that I've been in, I've I've never really been shut down this long, uh, and and I just feel like the Lord has spoken some things to me with clarity that that I need to try to be able to articulate and uh, express to us as a body. The one thing that I know for sure is God's not finished with me yet, and He's not finished with us as a corporate body do what he wants done and that we pull together. Again, I just stand amazed at how uh, you guys have stood together, how everybody's just done what they should do and and it's just been exciting the faithfulness that God has expressed. But uh, 1 Corinthians 13 beginning at verse 1 it says though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. If you don't have love, what you say becomes sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, a lot of people prophesy in a lot of things in these days. Sad thing is most of us don't know the difference between an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet and we listen too much to the Old Testament prophet about days that's gone and the judgment of God when a New Testament prophet speaks the grace of God. Y'all do understand law and judgment is past and we've moved into the dispensation of the grace and mercy of God. And prophets, New Testament prophets are talking grace and mercy, not doom and judgment. Oh, don't shout me down. I'm preaching good. Can't get, can't get too excited. That's one of the things they said. You can't go back to the pulpit because a few of us around here have heard you preach and you get far too excited till you totally recover, okay? Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, And understand all knowledge. And though I have all faith. Now think about that for a moment. Understand all mysteries. All knowledge. And I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. But have not love. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love is so powerful. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. And when we say we have God, what he wants us to have is love because that's who God is. In the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, Romans 8, verse 35, talking about God is love. Who, verse 35, Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. There it is again. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen to me. Christ is God's love. For God so loved the world, he sent Christ. Christ was born Jesus of Nazareth. He's Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was born Jesus of Nazareth and simply stated what I'm trying to get across to you today is simply this. He will never let you go. I run into so many Christians who are afraid that they can lose God. Listen to me. You can't. Well, now, Pastor, I want to go against that and prove to you that you can't. No, you're stupid. <laughs> well, I just think we got to get it right. Well, you can't get it right when you're wrong. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And he lists all those things, not even death. The last enemy that will be conquered and mark it down, death is going to be conquered on planet earth. Jesus has already conquered it, but even after you die and are put in the ground, he has conquered it for you there because you're going to get up. You're going to get out of the ground. Death is our enemy, and, and, and it, it, but it's been conquered, and, and we're going to see that. Now listen, the simple issue that I'm trying to deal with today is Christ is the expression of God's own love to you and me. Listen to me. He cannot, Christ cannot, Christ will not, allow his grip on the Father and his grip on us to ever be released. Are you hearing me? Doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter what you do. I've had the chance in the last few months to look over my life and I'm telling you there have been times I didn't want anything to do with religious people. Not you. <laughs> I didn't know what might be happening, but Christ never would let us go. Now, 60 years ago, and I know you've heard me tell this, but I, I have to say it today. 60 years ago, Carl Barth, one of the greatest, he was a renowned 20th century Swiss-German neo-Orthodox theologian. He spoke at the Rockefeller Chapel on the campus of the University of Chicago 60 years ago. During the question and answer time, a student asked him if he could summarize his theology in a single sentence. And he said, yes, I learned it at my mother's knee in the words of a song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Guys, if we don't get anything else, we got to understand Jesus loves you. I've had people who have expressed God's love to me in the medical field and, and in doing what they did who weren't involved in church, who weren't professing things, who loved me and cared for me and expressed things to me in ways that I knew was God caring for me.
Listen to me say this. God is far more interested in healing your brokenness than he is in judging you of your sin. You say it again. God is far more interested in healing you of your brokenness than he is judging you of your sin. He's the savior of the world. Think about that for a moment. And he's not just saving us one time, he's still a savior in my life every day. You know, they told me I had to walk every day. Got to walk every day. So every day I'm walking and say, Lord, save me from this, will you? <laughs> Help me, Lord. And he does. Every day of my life, I understand him as a savior because he saves me from myself. He saves me from sin. You know, help me to say this. I want y'all to hear me. Sometimes God doesn't act like we think he should. <clears throat> He sometimes get out, gets out of our theological boxes and he doesn't act like we think he should act and he doesn't do what we tell him to do. Aren't you glad? I know people who are mad and upset at God because they asked God to do something that he wouldn't do and they didn't understand that he was not doing it because it was for their own best interest. Help me, Lord. I believe that where we're headed in the weeks, days, months, and years ahead, I believe where we're headed doesn't look like where we've been. We're on a new adventure with the Lord. It's a new day in Christ. God's got some things for us that he wants us to do that are going to be fun and exciting. And you know, when God doesn't do it the way we think he ought to do it, sometimes our faith gets shaken and we forget that the Holy Spirit is my helper. He's my comforter. Guys, I'm telling you, I, I have experienced the Holy Spirit as my helper and my comforter in ways during this issue and ordeal that I have never experienced in all my life. It's just something that's been there. And the Christian life that we are living from start to finish is based upon this principle, listen to this, that our utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ is the primary principle. We've got to depend on him. And you know, you say that and, and people say, well, I do, I, I believe that. But how much do we believe in ourselves and what we do and how we do it and how much are we dependent on ourselves and what we think and what we do and how we're doing it instead of depending totally and completely upon him? There is no limit to the grace God is willing to bestow on us. No limit. No limit to that grace. He will give us everything, but we've got to understand that we can't receive it except we rest in him. I'm laying there after surgery in the bed, miserable, hurting, terrible. And the Holy Spirit just gently says,
when are you going to learn you can't do it? You got to trust me. When are you going to trust me? Well, I can't do nothing at that moment, so I say, well, I guess now, Lord, come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had never been in the situation that I was in, and I'm just saying in, in, in how it was. I, I, you know, when I got out of the hospital, couldn't lay in a bed, uh, uh, you, you know, you, you do things you think you want to do. I got in the shower and went to raised my hands to wash my hair and I could feel my chest popping. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And it's like, oh, this ain't right. And Sheila's saying, stop it, stop it, sorry. I'll wash your hair. I kind of like that. I wish that would have continued. <laughs> the thing that the Lord has just driven home to me in the last three months is Sitting in his presence, sitting with him, sitting is an attitude of rest. Now listen carefully. There's a work that's been finished that Jesus has done. It's a finished work. It's a finished work. And when work is finished and it stops, we sit. It's what we do. We sit. Now, listen carefully. In the spiritual realm, to sit down is simply to rest our whole weight, our load, ourselves, our future, everything upon the Lord. You know, I recognize and I realize that I'm not going to be around forever and that there's a younger generation that needs to pick up the ball and run with some things and do some things and we're going to see that happen. We're going to watch that happen. God's got a, another generation that's going to do what needs to be done and we got to rest in that fact and believe that and, and, and trust him to help us pull that off the way it needs to be pulled off and done. And... Uh, uh, to me, Christianity means that God has already accomplished everything in Christ Jesus. It's a finished work. We simply, by faith, step into the enjoyment of that fact. Now, for the next few minutes, I want to try to express what I believe God has tried to get instilled in me in the last few weeks, the last few couple of months. Our key word here today is seated. Say seated with me. It's not a command to sit down if you're seated. For us to begin to see ourselves seated in Christ. All my life I have believed that you walk with God, that you stand with God, and you're seated with God. But I realized that I've made the seating be about the walking and the trusting and the standing not about the fact that you're seated first. When you accept Christ and he comes into your heart and life, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You, you've heard me say this. I, I have preached all around this for years and just never really got it like I've got it right this moment of trying to understand. Jack Hayford, who passed, pastored Van, in Van Nuys, California, uh, the church on the way in Van Nuys, California, Jack Hayford had a sign behind his desk that said, keep looking down. 
And he said, every time a new person would walk into his office, they'd say, Pastor Jack, don't you mean keep looking up? He said, well, it all depends on where you're seated. If you're seated here dealing with everything here, then you're trying to look up for where God is. But if you understand that you've been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and you're seated with him, you're looking down at what's going on. Help me, Lord. In Ephesians, my favorite book, Ephesians chapter 1. Now let me restate this to you. Key word is seated. Everybody say seated. He didn't give us a command to sit down. He told us to see ourselves as seated. In Christ. Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 18, it says, The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You and I are the body of Christ. And we have his fullness. Now listen to me. Paul prays here that the eyes of our heart the eyes of our understanding be enlightened to understand all that is contained for us in this double fact. This is a fact. Number one, here's the first fact, that God has first by his mighty power made him, Christ, sit. You realize when he was raised from the dead, he was seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. Do you realize that was something that God did was made him sit? It is finished. It's done. You've done it. Sit. Then, by grace, it's right here in Scripture, he made us to sit with him. When you accept Christ and you're born again and you're a babe, you have been seated with Christ. <laughs> I got a new boy at my house right now. <laughs> Riker Douglas Richmond. And that boy is seated in everything I got and he don't have a clue. I didn't realize how much, you know, when grandkids come, you can bypass your kids and give it all to the grandchildren. <laughs> you thought you couldn't love more than them kids. Now listen to me. Our Christian life begins with the discovery of what God has provided. Right now that little boy wants milk, formula, and his diapers changed. Don't cry about anything else but them two things. It's all he wants right now. Now listen to me. Every spiritual experience every say every. every every spiritual experience begins with the acceptance of faith 
in what God has already done. It's already done. It's finished. Jesus has already done it. And you and I have been seated in heavenly places into the finished work of another. In other words, we are seated with Christ who finished the work. We've been seated with him in heavenly places. So, we become members of Christ. We're his body. We're children of God. We are one with Christ. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. You know this. You understand this. We rest today completely in what Christ has done. Now listen to me say this. We died to sin with him. As long as you're looking at you, you'll see your sin. But when you realize that you've died to sin with Christ, he paid the price for the sins you commit. We died to sin with Christ. We were baptized into his death. When he was buried, we were buried with him. God made us alive together with Christ. Now listen, all of these statements, get this, we died to sin with him, we were baptized into his death, we were buried with him, God made us alive together with Christ. All these statements are in our past. It's history. What do you mean? I was crucified with Christ. It's a historical fact that I'm dead and my life is hid in Christ. And so are you if you've trusted Jesus. That's why for years I know a lot of people that they don't understand what happened to them when they got saved because all they really wanted to do was go to heaven. They didn't want to live for Christ. They didn't want to have a new birth. They didn't want to be born into the family of God. They just didn't want to go to hell. Major difference in understanding that. It's been something that I've just wrestled with through, through all these years. But now watch. It's a historical fact. I was crucified with him. Now watch. In the scriptures... In the scriptures, these things I'm talking about, we never find these things spoken of in our future. They're always spoken throughout all of scripture in our past. Nowhere in scripture is any of these things in our future. Nor is it a desire of the present. Always, always, always in our past. They are historical facts of Christ into which we all who have believed had entered. With Christ, crucified, quickened, raised, and set into the heavenlies, we must receive it as something he has done. What do you mean? He grabbed hold of God reached down into a sinful world and grabbed a hold of us. And when God pulled him up next to him, he pulled us up with him. Amen. We've been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now listen to me. We were not born with Christ, but we were crucified with Christ. Scripture doesn't teach that I was born with him, but it does teach that I was crucified with him. When he was crucified, I was crucified. People look at me and say, one of these days judgment is coming. What are you going to do when you stand before God? I've already stood before God and I've already been judged and I was guilty, but I've already paid the price because when Christ was crucified, he was crucified with my sin. He wasn't crucified just for me. He was crucified as me and I have been crucified with Christ and I am no longer dead in trespasses and sins. Help me, Lord. Listen to me. Our union with him began with his death. God included us in him 
there where we were with him and in him. It's something that was accomplished by him in his sovereign wisdom to be seen, believed, and accepted and rejoiced in by us. We rejoice in the fact that Jesus paid it all. Let me close. I want to use an illustration. I'll use my notebook. If I take this dollar bill and I put it in this notebook and it's in this notebook and I burn this notebook up, what happens to the dollar bill? Hmm? The dollar bill gets burned up. When you got saved, God just like I put that dollar bill in there, put you in Christ Jesus. When he died, you died with him. When he was crucified, you were crucified with him. When he was resurrected from the dead, you were resurrected from the dead with him. When he was seated at the right hand of the Father, you were seated with him. If you don't understand you're seated first, you don't start walking. My walking has nothing to do with where I'm seated. You know, I've never been afraid during all this situation. I, I, I wasn't worried about dying. Dying wasn't the issue. But in my conversations with him, I realize he don't need me up there near as much as he needs me down here. And he loves me down here. And he walks with me down here. And he talks with me down here. And he didn't, doesn't get upset with me when you get upset with me. He likes me. He loves me. He's not... He doesn't just fellowship my successes when I fail. He steps right into my failure and says, I'm with you. My time's gone. I've not been looking and I understand that. And, and if we need to go off the air, we can go off the air, but I'm gonna talk just a minute. We've made such an ordeal of trying to be an example for what we think godliness is that is so unlike Christ. You know, we, we make God, we, one of the attributes is that God is that he's, love is not proud. But we think God is proud. Yeah, we do. We think the only reason he made us, the only reason he made us was so that we could give glory and honor and praise and worship to him. We've been made to believe that from the pulpit. We've been made to believe that the only reason he made you was to, was to uh, worship him and to praise him and that that's what you're supposed to do. I'm not discounting that, but we've got a totally wrong perspective of who God is and who God, what God wants from us. I told you, I, I, I've been in a place where if, if I had to, to, to do something demonstrative in those first few days, I could not have done it for God. I, just, I couldn't have done it. And you know, it's, it's just amazing how he came and sat with me and talked with me and was just with me and just there. And I'm thinking... You know, they would let Sheila come over for a few hours every day. You know, the hospital's closed, sat down with COVID. They'd let her come into the room for just a few hours. And I'd say, honey, you got stuff to do. You ought to be doing everything. She goes, I just want to be here with you. That's all I want. I want to be here with you. Well, 
I don't really feel like doing anything or talking or anything. It's all right. I'm right here. I'm fine. I'm with you. She'd leave and the Lord would say, I've been here the whole time. You ain't paid a bit of attention to me. You've been looking at that woman. <laughs> but I'm with you now. And I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never walk away from you. And we got a world out there who don't know how to be friends and have a relationship with God because they're so afraid God's going to nail them, judge them, attack them. Where do you think they got that picture? From the church. We've got to understand you don't walk to be seated you are seated first and then you walk. Now this is going to get some of you but we're going to talk about it in the next year or two. I don't even fight the devil. I just have to learn how to stand against the devil. It's a fixed position. You sit, you walk, you stand. You don't walk and fight to be seated. You're already seated. We've been out of order in how this thing works. And I'm saying, Lord, if you instill it. See, if you get it instilled in your heart that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, it'll affect your walk. You won't feel like you've got to fight so much when you understand that he's already He's already defeated your enemy. You know, Clint Eastwood helped me with this. Yeah. When that guy came to shoot him and kill him, he said, go ahead, make my day. The devil comes. And if all he can do is take your life, make my day. But God saved me for a purpose. And listen to me. He wants you healed and whole. He doesn't want you judged. You've, he's more interested in restoring you and helping you than he is in judging you. You got to get that, guys. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to understand the reality of your finished work and what you've accomplished in Christ. Help us to see, help us to know, help us to understand that the work is finished, it's complete. And we have the privilege of walking through life with you with us. So Lord, help me to encourage others Help me, Lord, to just make sure that everybody understands they've been restored. Jesus conquered sin. We have an enemy that's already been defeated. So, Lord, I ask you to just help us walk this thing through and to trust you. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us, I pray. Help us, Lord Jesus.
Lord, I pray for this corporate body right now and I pray for a revelation, Lord, of what you have already done for us and for an understanding, Lord, of what it means to be seated with you. Lord, when we know that we're seated with you, it's a whole lot easier to walk out situations and circumstances here and it's a whole lot easier to know you're walking with us through every situation. say this right you get it and understand it but every card that I read from those of you that sent me a card every thing that I would see I would get and I would read it the poem that I read was on the front of one of the cards I got so many of them said I'm with you I couldn't see you didn't know what was going on in your life but I knew there were folks with me every step of the way and I'm saying to you guys I'm saying to you the Holy Spirit's with you pick up his Bible as him encouraging you not judging you of him just speaking to you and loving on you get it settled in your mind that he wanted you just like you are seated with him in heavenly places. And there's a world out here, some of them are saved, some of them aren't, but they don't know where they're seated. They don't know what God has provided for them. They're still trying their best, struggling to get to heaven. I heard as a child growing up in church, we had testimony service and I heard it said, y'all pray that I hold out to the end. I heard that so many times that I, I just would sit there and say, who plans on letting go? You don't have to pray for me to hold on. I ain't gonna let go. And if I do let go, guess who has a hold of me? He ain't gonna let go. And that's so good. I ain't supposed to be that excited. <laughs> my sister and my mother-in-law were sitting there talking to me one night. And I got to talking. We got talking about scripture and I got to preaching to them. And after about 10 minutes, I realized how sore my chest was because I was, <sighs> you understand? It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> you're in trouble because you preach but I'm good now amen stand with me 